It's time to get all set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics with your hosts, Scott Williams and Jeff Trailer. When I hear the coffee brewing, I think, what the heck we doing? Because I got barely any sleep last night. As the diaper bag I pack with hot whiz dollies and some snacks, I say, oh, pray there'll be a seat in the drive room this time. It's all right, because I'm all set for Sunday. Matthew, Mark, or Luke, or John, no idea what's going on. I can't pay attention at any food break. Looks from parishioners, old ladies, and ushers. I guess I'll throw some extra bucks in the collection plate. It's all right, because I'm all set for Sunday. It's all right, because I'm all set for. It's all right, because I'm all set for. It's all right, because I'm all set for Sunday. Welcome to All Set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics to be a little more prepared for Sunday's Mass. My name is Scott Williams. My co-host is not John, but Jeff Trailer. How are you, Jeff? I'm great, Scott. Why do you make your name not John? Like on, you know, like on the Zoom call or whatever, yeah. it says your names and yours says not John. Why? Uh, well, because last week on the... Father Meyer, our guest, is here, so you'll appreciate this, Father. You know, every week on the podcast, I do my two-minute drill, and then we ask if I made any mistakes. And occasionally, uh, I make a mistake, and then I get dunked on pretty hard for it, which is fine, and I respect that. But then, a lot of times, people say, no, you did great. So last week, I made a big deal about how it was John week, because we had Father John Miskin on, and then we had all readings from John. And I said, including Acts of the Apostles, which was written by John, which I know is not the case. And I don't know why I said it, but I did. And then about Scott, I would say an hour and a half after you posted the podcast, uh, Uh I got my first text of many from somebody who was like, Hey, I really enjoyed the podcast this week, but didn't Luke write Acts of the Apostles? And I was like, that is absolutely correct. And so it was a real, have you, and we have you forming our children. That, I mean, yeah. I just want to clarify the fact that you're forming children. Mm. I mean, I'm on a countdown, wow. but yeah, sorry. I mean, my name my name is John Athen. So like, <laughs> I clar- I love the fact if that I, you- If you go by Athen, I can call you Athen. Glad, I'm glad that you are not John. However, uh, I am scared for our children. Did, any, okay. did anyone ever call you just John when you were growing up? I actually went as John as a child because I found writing John was easier than Jonathan. My mom like got really angry about this and, uh, but I was really lazy. I was I wouldn't say lazy father. If I would identify you as anything, it is efficient. Like you try to be efficient in everything you do. Ooh, that's very good. Your time. And so it is the least surprising thing I've ever heard that you would just shorten your name to just try to be able to get going to what the next thing is. So FJM. FJM. That's right. I, uh, my, my, I, I'm not a big fan of, um, nicknames, but I'm cool if they happen. Um, but to, anyways, my mom was not a fan either. And she tried to call me, she named me Scott because she couldn't think of a nickname for that. She totally forgot about Scotty. Um, that very clear nickname for Scott. But one time I remember I was playing Bantam football. I don't know. I was like 10 or whatever. And, I had a great play. The PA announcer was like, Scotty Williams is, uh, and my mom marched over to the PA stand, <laughs> went up there <laughs> and told him that my name is Scott, not Scotty. I can respect that. I have three daughters, all with names that like, 
I, I enjoy their full name. My oldest, Isabella. People like to want to call, they want to call her Izzy or Bella yeah, or different yeah. things. And I regularly will correct them, whoever they are, yeah. and say. And your wife, Liz? No. My, <laughs> <laughs> my wife is Elizabeth, has been Elizabeth her whole life. But recently, Father Meyer, her and I have been on a committee through our parish where the person running the committee started just calling her Liz. And my wife sheepishly just did not correct her. And now it is like we're two, three months into this process. And like every on on now we're talking like official stuff that's going out that says Jeff and Liz trailer. And it's gotten yes. so far. And I refuse. I was like, no, you need to do this. You're a grown up. You can do it. And it's but now it's past the point of no return. So. That's awesome. All right. Hey, the Catholic Enough Names chat. podcast. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> let's uh let's let's do the two minute drill. Let's what 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 names do you have for us this week, Jeff? Uh I got a few. Uh it's a fifth Sunday in Easter. Fifth Sunday of Easter. Happy Easter still, everybody. Um our first yeah. reading comes from Acts of the Apostles, written by Luke, not John. <laughs> Should be noted. Um, I got a name for you. Saul is in the house. Saul is in the house, he comes. He, he's had his conversion experience. He comes in. He tries to join the disciples, but they're afraid of him. Should be noted, rightly so. He was hunting and killing them just a mere weeks ago. Um, but here he is. He wants to join the disciples. He be a disciple of Jesus. Barnabas vouches for him, which is kind of cool. He steps up and says, "This guy's good. Trust us. He's good to go." Um, yet there still is some drama around him. Like every time he tries to go and work, people are trying to kill him now because they know his reputation. Um, so he moves on after some drama, heads back to Tarsus, to get himself set. Um, and then the peace comes and the numbers grow. So we really kind of are getting this summary of how peace is settling over these people in this time of the disciples and the numbers of Christians are starting to grow and followers of Christ. The response to our Psalm this week, it's a mumbler. And I want it to be noted the last time we had Father Meyer on, we had a mumbler and then Father Meyer texted us that we, that Sunday evening and said, I did five masses this weekend and I still could not tell you what the full <laughs> responsorial Psalm was. The, the only correction there is that I, I never have texted you and I never will text you. Emailed right? us. You emailed us. I apologize. Sorry. Yeah. Flip phone. Yes. I apologize. Emailed us electronic communication to us um, and let us know that he had done five masses mumbled through them all. Still did not know the responsorial Psalm. So, this one, not as long, but I will praise you, Lord, in the assembly of your people. I, Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Or, what's our other option? Hallelujah. Uh, Hallelujah. Father, do you ever just go with the Hallelujah so you don't have to worry about the mumble? No, but I have a hilarious story about... Can I just tell this story yeah. real quick? Yes. Uh, so, living in the city of Rome as a student and the... We go to daily mass often multiple times throughout the day just to like be there for the consecration. And there was a woman who on her own decided at one of the daily masses at this large basilica to just do the Alleluia. And so she decided she was also very fervent. She was going to sing it. So it's a daily mass and she just starts singing Alleluia, Alleluia. And the priest who's like an Italian guy like gets up and walks over the ambo. And it's like, anyways, he says it all in Italian. He's like, stop it. You need to do the psalm. And she's and she literally strong arms and says, I am. <laughs> go go sit down. Like, just like, it was so awesome. Like if you do the Alleluia, if you do the Alleluia option, like most people are gonna think that you're starting 
you know, the Alleluia verse for, for the, gospel. the gospel. Yeah, that's hysterical. It was awesome. I've never seen it done before. And every time that I see the Alleluia option, I always think about that woman and how <laughs> I want I want to do what she did. Anyways, okay. Continue. <laughs> this is like the American equivalent, I would say, is like the uh, old lady who sits up front and says the Our Father louder and faster than everybody else in the church to just make yeah. sure everybody knows that she is saying it first. Anyway, yes. Um, second got or second reading this week comes from uh, first letter John. Uh, it says you got to walk the walk, not just talk the talk. Like we have okay. to be in our actions. This and I really get a vibe here, I, and this is kind of a John vibe in general. Is this like actions speak louder than words? Um, so he very much not all Johns. I mean that is true with you, Father Meyer, but your words are great too. Um, the but I get this. They will know we are Christians by our love, right? Like speaking of bangers. Um, and I love just a good, like real emotional, strong. They will know we are Christians by our love. Um, just a little, like just the heartbeat of the seventies in the church. But, um, it, that's really the vibe in this whole reading is this idea of like, it has to be our actions through our love. If we show our love, then they will know who we are. It's not just about our words, but how we treat people. And then the gospel reading this week, our gospel comes from, the gospel of John chapter 15, one to eight, Jesus said to his disciples, I am the true vine and my father is the vine grower. He takes away every branch in me that does not bear fruit and everyone that does and everyone that does he prunes so that it bears more fruit. You are already pruned because of the word that I spoke to you. Remain in me as I remain in you, just as a branch cannot bear fruit on its own unless it remains on the vine. So neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit. Because without me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me will be thrown out like a branch and wither. People will gather them and throw them into a fire and they will be burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you want and it will be done for you. By this is my father glorified that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. Thanks, Jeff. Father Meyer, any, any corrections to the, to the record? How'd Jeff do? Um, I think he did pretty well. Uh, he attributed the readings to all of the right biblical authors. So <laughs> let's start off with That's that right. being an A plus. I mean, seriously. Pat's on the back funny. for me. <laughs> I, uh, are, are there any like secret Facebook groups that are just priests that like you guys talk about priest things? Yeah. So during the pandemic, there was a really, really great Facebook group that I joined. It was about, uh, I think the name of the group is like uh, best practices during the quarantine uh, or something like that. Quarantine priests looking for solutions, quarantined priests looking for solutions. And it was <laughs> that is the most practical awesome. title for a Facebook group I've ever heard. <laughs> I'm, I'm just telling you, though, the amount of fruit that was born out of that thing was amazing. I feel like. Um, in that group, did you was there a little badge next to your name that said visual storyteller? What does that mean? I don't know what uh, that it, means. So like in Facebook groups, when someone is good at starting conversations or uses photos or videos or starts cover they get a little badge next to their name in a Facebook group and it says visual storyteller. And oh. I thought that if there was a priest group of some sort and you were in it that you would have a little badge next to your name that said visual storyteller. And I was all excited that that would have been the case, but it's not. And now my 
hopes and dreams crushed. <laughs> but either way, I'm excited to hear how you're going to be a visual storyteller with today's gospel because it is ripe for some for some cool visuals. Nothing nothing says podcast better than visual storytelling. This is exciting. <laughs> okay. So let's uh, let's do this right now. Um, so I think a great looking at the gospel passage about vine branches fruit. So remember, Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. The fruit is of course the Holy Spirit working in and with and through us. The more that we are in union with the vine, meaning the branches, the more fruit that will be born. So the, those, I think, have making like clear distinctions. God the Father is the vine grower. Jesus mm-hmm. is the vine. We're the branches, and then the fruit is the is the work of the Holy Spirit pouring through Jesus, then ultimately through us. The more that I am united to Jesus, the more that fruit will bear off of my branch. Okay, fruit doesn't come off the vine. Fruit comes off the branches. So using that analogy, um, let's just talk about like ourselves individually. A great question is, and I think the greatest self-assessment and like do an examination of conscience, not to go to confession. However, you probably all need to go to confession anyways, because it's been a few weeks since Easter, but um, examination (laughs) of conscience, like you don't know me. Uh, You you very much know me. So thank you. (laughs) So I can always use the reminder. Thank you. Uh, Is what I'm doing in my life bearing fruit? That's just a great, and like begin to just like ask that question to everything. Is what I'm doing in my life bearing fruit? So to like ask the question like, is the way that I go to bed at night and wake up in the morning bearing fruit? Is the way I drive to work in the morning bearing fruit? So I'm not even just talking about like, let's look at like some really, really big like, well, I'm like get down to like really basic nitty gritty is what I'm doing bearing fruit. Now, when like when we talk about like fruit, of course, uh, traditionally, uh, this fruit of the spirit that the church talks about would be joy, peace. <laughs> Did we patience, just watch you Google the fruits of the Holy Spirit? <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't want to mess this up. All of a sudden, your screen—we <laughs> can just see your face light up with like with computer that's screen. Why and always, that's why you always take your your glasses off. Um, <laughs> love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithful, gentleness, and self-control. I sometimes mess those up. So anyway, but like, like, <laughs> is my is my is my evening routine guarded self-control, or is my evening routine me just like not wanting to go to bed? Is my morning filled with gentleness? Is my morning filled with patience? Ooh, there is a challenging fruit of the Holy Spirit for parents with young children because Mm -hmm. uh, no greater time in my life is my patience tested than, or much more my wife's. God love her. Not like she is weaker. She just does more than me. uh, Than the time, like basically the 20 minutes before they leave the house in the morning. That's the toughest. Yeah. Yeah. So I think... I think just like the biggest ways that we end our day and start our day are quintessential to like thriving as a human being and bearing fruit. And also, so I mean, the, and and this is no, n- not accusatory in a way, but like when we talk about like, so your role as a dad, like the reality is how your kid starts their day every single day and ends their day every single day. My role as a dad or my role as a mom 
is going to impact them and start a trickle effect in their life and a ripple effect. And so the more that I'm able to look at those very practical things is, is really, really important. Like if I want to be grafted, if I want to be a branch that's on the vine, how am I doing that? And so, I, I mean, I think I'm going to clearly, of course, say that like we should be ending our days grafted all the more to the vine, which means ending our day, not with television, not with, you know, whatever it might be, but ending our day with our Lord. And that the same should be how we start our day, that starting our day with the Lord. I was just talking to some high school kids that attracted me the other day. And we were talking about really like, they were talking about crazy, just like ridiculous things about how they got up in the morning. And I just, they were like, well, Father Meyer, how do you get up in the morning? I'm like, I don't even know if you can really handle this. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I started like throwing out just a few different things. And they were just like, that's ridiculous. And I was just like, um, the question is this, if we spend and waste a lot of time on things that don't really matter, and we have less time to do the things that really do matter. And the more that we're able to be really, really efficient in the things that don't matter, the more that we have time to do what really does matter. Let me ask you this. How, how do you measure that? So you, when you're asking your question, does this bear fruit? I find myself to be um, a little more overly critical of my own actions than I would probably someone else. So I would always look for ways to kind of nitpick, but had it been somebody, I I don't know. So like, how do you evaluate whether or not what you're doing is bearing fruit? How do you know when you're knocking it out of the park? How do I know when I'm not, when I am knocking it out of the park? Yeah. I would say when I have peace, joy, gentleness, self-control, when those are alive in my life, then I know that I'm living truly rooted in the vine. I also will then see the fruit bearing in my in my life and in the life of others. Now, so I think that's a really good point. So like when you find yourself the most joyful, the most peaceful, the most happiest, then trying to re- reverse engineer what got you there and mimicking some of those habits. Correct. Correct. Like it. Okay. Like like Matthew Kelly will always say, like two two patient people will always have a better relationship. Two kind people will always have a better relationship. Two people, you know, like so like but we have to get there. Like what about two really impatient people. What'd you say? What about two really impatient people? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's a thing. <laughs> Uh, sorry, carry yeah. on. No, I, so, so anyway, so then like, let's, let's look at this like at a bigger level and I'll just like throw this in here, but like, so this is something that we as the church are horrible at. So like we just talked about like real practically like us, but then like, let's, let's like look at the church mm-hmm. and big question, where is the church not bearing fruit? Mm. Ah. And this is like, the church institution uh, or the church people? Uh, we could say both, but let's just stick with the institution because that's much more, much more easier to be critical about. But like, we'll let you we, we'll let you say it because you have the collar no. on, and then we'll just chime in. <laughs> Can we clearly say that our current structures 
when it comes to parish, when it comes to school, when it comes to religious ed, when it comes to youth ministry, when it comes to ministries in general, when it comes to the Knights of Columbus, when it comes to any ministry in the parish, can we clearly say that these are bearing fruit or can we say that they are branches that need to be pruned and we need to like there, first of all, there isn't even a tool to, to evaluate that within the Catholic church. Yeah. Like any, any business or organization worth anything always has, always has an R and D department, a research and development department. So like, where would that be in the Catholic or quality, church? quality assurance department? <laughs> where, where is that in the Catholic church? Uh, it's in baptismal numbers or uh, envelope giving or things that don't actually amount. Anything. I mean, it anything. it lands to the pastor, which is not fair and not right, because then that looks totally different parish to parish rather than a, st- a structure that is evaluatable across the board. Because it, be, it 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 lands to individuals, and then you just have to count on like having a pastor who happens to be really good at those things, and like, uh, and that's not fair to pastors because not everybody has the same gifts and talents. And I think we've talked a little bit on here before about we we as priests we send you through years of formation, sometimes a decade of formation, to become a priest and minister. And then we almost immediately in your priesthood ask you instead to manage a business and be and do HR and do uh, and be a bookkeeper would, and oversee. Say, and, and we take you away more and more from the direct ministry or it would be would easy that, to be. Now you, I would say, counter that very much so. But, but I would say that to compound the situation – and we're, we're going on like a, a dark spiral here, but there have been some leaps and bounds in how to raise up pastoral leaders. But what if those leaps and bounds have been to raise up pastoral leaders to just do what we've always done, which clearly is not working. Yeah. So now we have pastoral leaders who are being fortified in actually crystallizing the fossilization of mediocrity and a downward spiral. And there's no room or a real openness to change. What can I do as Joe parishioner to affect change? If I, if, if what, what could you like, what would be your answer to, I wish there was someone in my, someone in my parish that could do this to help us push, you know, point the needle in the right direction. I mean, if Scott, you're asking me, this as a man and I'm just going to like, so if I were you, like I would respond with, Hey, I think it'd be really great if you started Exodus 90, that man is you or, uh, made sure that you have in your parish a men's movement that's actually radically on fire. Because the church will only be as strong as its families are, and families are as strong as fathers are. And one of the greatest crises that women know in the church is that men are lacking in manly zeal and virtue. Mm. If you're a woman listening to this, I would say uh, encourage your husband to start a men's ministry, and then you yourself go out and make sure that there are really, really great uh, catechetical programs for your children and make sure that you yourself are being fed and nourished to be a saint as a woman with other women. Um, so the lay people in the church have got to realize that their their holiness, their zeal, their righteousness 
is rooted in their relationship with others, which is the church, rooted in Christ and rooted in formation. What if I, what if I, if I go to my, my parish and say, I would like to start this and I'm told no. That's the great thing about that man is you or Exodus 90. You don't need a parish to do it. This is a dialogue. I and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that, that it needs to be those two programs either. Right. And, and I, so let me, yeah, and let me I'm clarify that. The question of I'm like not, the, the, you know, we were talking about just like the institutional issues that exist. Like, and my question is, how do we, how do we help to change that as a regular prisoner? That's prayer and fasting. And uh, I think just having to push the envelope. Uh, there's a great document that came out this past uh, summer, which I think. Get that Googler <laughs> out again. <laughs> <laughs> this one by the way i'm not googling i am looking up on my desktop but there is i imagine uh, you have hundreds of i want to know what your desktop is like <laughs> yeah. um it's called uh the pastoral conversion of the parish community in the service of the evangelization mission of the church like completely a perfect church document was this the that, doc, uh, was this the bulletino or is it uh, different than that did i send it to you guys Already? No, I'm no, but I read it. I read the Bulletino, and I think it was the same document. What's the Bulletino? It's the the type of document that this was. You know, it's not an encyclical. It's not. It it falls into a different category. It came from the. It came from the office of uh, the congregation of the clergy. Yeah. Um, It's anyways. It's really really good, but I think a great question, like for all parishes, is for them just to and parish councils and is to really look like genuinely and openly look at this document and really just like begin to uh, dream, as I like to say of what this could all look like. So it's funny you say that. Cause that's the reason I read this is at my parish, we were restructuring the, our parish council and we'd use this document as kind of a guiding document of what really? we should be doing and how we should be doing it. And then to, to the point you were making before, like I I'm in dialogue right now with our pastor and the head of our men's club. And they, they would, they've asked me to come on and, and start and like take a leadership role in the men's club and help guide. But one of the big things I've pushed back on is I, I would love to do this, but this needs to be more than what the stereotypical traditional men's club has been in yep. Catholic parishes. Like I want this to be something that challenges me as a Christian man that helps uh, me push others and serves as well as the social component and like all of those things, but pushing in the same direction to, if you're going to create this, there needs to be the same effort, same or more effort to create a complementary women's group and families group. How do we draw these people together? Because yeah. all three of yeah. those groups have to work together. There can't be an animosity towards a men's club that exists and is, has like, zeal because there isn't options for others like families need to be fed in the, like we need to be feeding everybody in there to go to your point of like a two patient people are going to be more like two people who are being fed by their parish are going to help feed their parish in uh in reverse through their family so oh i think god those are <laughs> problem 
This is, uh, this is, this is why this podcast exists. I mean, this You're is what I'm pushing. Cool. I didn't say it's happening, but I'm pushing for it. And I think that there's some movement in that direction, but I would also say the other side to Scott, what you were talking about is and father. You referenced a little bit is like, as Catholics, we are called to, we're called to build these like communities and, to and to build that another and it doesn't always have to happen within our parishes like scott and i are a part of a community of families that gather together and pray together and like have social events together but also lift each other up in faith and share and and push each other in that way and we all belong to a lot of different parishes but we do it because we saw this need and desire and and then we have been there's it's born fruit like there's been fruit that's come from it so correct. And that's why I think it's really awesome when we look at this document and it says this, the territorial configuration of the parish, however, must confront a peculiar and characteristic of our contemporary world. The speed of change, successive cultural models, the ease of movement and the speed of communication are transforming perceptions of space and time. Territorial affiliation is increasingly less evident. Places of association are multiplied. I mean, it, it clearly says like in this document about how like parish boundaries don't matter. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Is that what encouraged you to open your uh, online parish? Um, COVID-19 did that, but um, but to to name it, like you named it, we named it at campus, but yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yes, correct. Because the reality is, is that people are starving and dying and someone needs to feed them. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not a, uh, not a parish. I'm sorry. It's a campus of your yeah. parish. Let the record be straight. You didn't open a parish. I don't think you have. Is the it your fifth campus? I, yeah, it's our fifth campus. Um, you should get right. more. Let's <laughs> let's move uh, on to dumb questions, Jeff. All right, dumb questions, Father. I'm really excited. Oh, wait. We got to do the thing. Dumb questions. It's time for Jeff's dumb questions. The part in the show where the glow of the flame of knowledge grows a little dimmer and our collective IQ goes down a few points, all thanks to Jeff. We're sorry. It should be noted when we have Father Meyer on, we can always count, always count on at least one email during or very shortly after the (laughs) podcast from him, including this time with at minimum three documents attached to it. So... <clears throat> and only capital letters. No. <laughs> it is labeled document. <laughs> all caps. Um, all right, Father Meyer. I this week I made a note. I'll, oftentimes I think of dumb questions that I want to ask, usually on Sundays, and then I just totally space them when it comes time for the podcast until m- minutes after. And then I'm like, dang it. But this week I remembered one. And this one I've oh, wanted good. to ask for a long time. All right, I get, this is this is very serious. So I'm really need I really need your help here. At mass, after communion, when when is it appropriate to sit down? <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah, because like right. I I would I I wouldn't call myself a liturgist, but like I'm an amateur liturgist, and I'm very involved in like. I do not a hundred percent know this answer and I've never really been and then it got just too far in where I was embarrassed to ask, but this is the place to ask those things. So I'm yeah. desperate to so, know like what, what is, 
Give me the rule. Whenever, whenever you want to. So there is no instruction what? from the the general instruction of the Romanical does not give a bodily posture for after your, your reception of Holy Communion. Um, you can stand, sit, kneel if you want to lay full prostrate uh, on the ground. You can do that if you want to be in the fetal position. Um, if you want to put up your arms and praise and exaltation to the Lord, you can do that. Um, if you want to rock your child to sleep, you can do that. If you want to rock your wife to sleep, you can do that. Uh, the reality is, is that your bodily posture is not required or demanded by the church. So if you want to go back and kneel piously, you can do that. If you are elderly and you can't kneel, you can sit. If you are, um, well, I, I think, I think like those, those standards are known. I'm wondering like, so I, the 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 standard I would say is everybody goes back and kneels. I'm saying like, what is the point in cleanup or like I I people crassly call it doing the dishes. Like at what point in that oh, process? Just I just vomited my. I know. I, really I know. I'm not a fan of it either. But during the, the purification, purification of the vessels of the sacred of the sacred vessels. Yes. When um, like, when would you? I know you're saying like there's not a rule, but like when would you say is like the the. Can I can I jump in here? Yeah. And you can you can correct me. I think it's appropriate to do what the community where you're worshiping is doing. Oh, beautiful. Um, <laughs> that was the most mocking tone no, and face. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm not gonna. Like, so here's here, here's one of my. Like things. you shouldn't make a point to be more pious than the people around you. Agreed. To my just my point is this. So let me give you an example. Like. And in, in this may be a more general statement that we could dive into in a different time, but like sometimes having a deacon around complicates things. So I always grew up when father sits down, you get to sit down. Like that's how, that's how I always grew up. That's how, but when you've got a deacon there, sometimes father, father oh sits God. down yeah. and then the deacon is still purifying the vessels and like, and, oh. and what happened, or is it when the, communion gets put into the tabernacle is that the moment oh, when yeah. you can sit right like in so I, so i'm just gonna i'm gonna blow a few that few of these out of the water number one like if it can't be when the door on the tabernacle is closed because you want to know what jesus is now inside your body so like <laughs> what is the, the door of the tabernacle when jesus is now in your body that would now make you think that somehow i should sit down because jesus's presence is I no am longer the tabernacle now yes Got it. Yeah, jesus's presence is no longer around or with us as much <laughs> as it was before so like that's a totally lame one um, I think the, like, we're all going to wait for father to finish purifying the sacred vessels. Um, like that, you know, often is normative, like as well. I go back to the fact of like, we have to be liberal enough to be able to say that like, this is the most intimate moment of prayer that you have all week. Like I, I, for some people th that might be on your knees for some people that's seated for some people that's like literally like you know, placing your, your hands on your head and sitting, you know, more like in a crunch position for like, I genuinely think that like people should be able to just like pray. And I understand as well, like follow the customs of the congregation. Well, sometimes you go to a diocese and the custom of the congregation is to stand the entire time during the communion procession. Personally, like I can't do that. Like if I was like in the congregation, I'd be like, like standing for me is like a really hard posture of prayer for the most part, like in the sense of like personal prayer, like in time with the Lord. So like, anyways, I'm just going to throw that out there. Man, so. I would love to hear you preach on this and just watch the faces, the minds be blown when you tell like whole congregations like, hey, it turns after communion, you do whatever you feel is right. Like whatever you want to do. I wonder if pe what people would do. Because I think you're, My there is some, you're right in a sense of like, if I'm at a mass where like communion is really long, 
my focus moves away from prayer and more to the fact that I am not comfortable right now. Now I try to offer that up and I'm very much in that way, but it becomes a distraction for sure. So, and I would much rather sit back and like pray the rosary. Like that'd be great. Just say it. I have, I have told my congregation this and like, that's just like what they know. I now like we say mass outside. We're like going back to your, uh, you know, your lawn chair. We've been doing this for a year now, beginning uh, May 19th, going back to your lawn chair uh, and kneeling in the gravel uh, can sometimes take a while. And when you have 600 people uh, at an outdoor mass and only two people distributing Holy communion, it can sometimes take a little while. So uh, <clears throat> yeah, go ahead. It's a nice flex. Yeah. I thought the same thing. <laughs> no big deal. You're this hundred people, not, you know, whatever, but how do priests feel about, um, mothers nursing their children during mass? Ooh. How do priests feel about people breathing at mass? I think they're okay with it. Okay. Good. Answer. As long as they have a mask on. So we have a little baby now. Did you know that? I don't girl. know if I knew that. Six weeks old. Her name's Hannah. She's cute. Say congratulations. Huh. I'm surprised you didn't name her Jonathan Paul, but whatever. I don't. Um, we were going to go with Nanathan. <laughs> her middle name is Paul, though, oddly enough. So yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I actually got really excited there for just a second. <laughs> I love the idea, Father, that if somebody named their child Jonathan Paul, in our church, you would think it was after you, not St. John Paul. Well, they would clearly use John Paul, not Jonathan Paul, so let's be honest. <laughs> um, all right. I have a another dumb question. Or, no, let's wrap it up. I'm going to save this one for another week. I've had way too much fun with communion posture. All right. Thanks, Father Meyer. Always a pleasure. It's all right, cause I'm a Scott, you did it!